is Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. I have a fantastic guest for you today. She is an executive in the technology industry, which is amazing and awesome. And she has had a complete career focused on technical support and customer service and really bringing out the best that her customers can do with her technology. We have Leslie Leaf today, who is the Chief Customer Officer of Revel Systems. Leslie, thank you so much for being here. Shandy, I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you and to be part of your podcast. So thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, a pleasure. So you've really had a a customer service, customer forward career in technology for quite some time. I'm not going to date anybody here, but (laughs) uh, what led you down that path? I mean, tech support is a hard gig, right? And so how did you, how did you discover that passion and what led you there? Yeah, well, I'd be lying to you if I told you I had a degree in technology. So I had a degree in history and a degree in political science, came out of school in the 90s. And, you know, tech was starting to happen. Like like all kids who have no idea what the heck they're going to go do, I moved back home. (laughs) Um, And luckily, my my roommate from college had a job at um, an airline reservation software company and was like, hey, do you do? Yeah. Do you want to do you want to come and see what it's about? And so as part of them delivering the airline reservation software, they also stood up a call center. And so I worked in a res call center um, for about a year. And then I moved in to more on the technology side from a training perspective, then into product Q&A. And that's kind of what, what kicked it all off. You know, networking is, is huge and it's real. Um, and then from there, I just really, you know, really had the passion around how techni- how technology really can enable people, you know, and make their lives better and, and more efficient. And so I just kind of, kind of stayed on that, on that path. And, you know, here, here we are today. So, I mean, Revel Systems has amazing technology from a, from a outside perspective, it's probably the easiest point of sale to integrate your own software into. So thank you for that and being open to, you know, partnerships with other companies. You don't even have to have a formal agreement, just integrate on into Revel. Neat which we, by the way, have done, and you guys don't even know. So that's great. Um, but so you have worked in different industries. Hospitality is a different beast. How has supporting hospitality been completely different than others? I mean, airlines, I guess, live in a 24-7 type of world also, but. They do. But there's a big difference between needing to make a reservation versus running your life. So um, and I will tell you, um, very humbling, I will say. Uh, You know, coming from more of the CS world of tech to tech um, in my previous roles, it was really different, you know, and having to come in and understand the needs of our clients. You know, our tagline is we want to be the people point of sale. And it's not just a tagline. It's it's really how we feel because we understand in this industry how hard people are working to make their dream a reality. Right. And so. Well, you may get a phone call that, you know, I'm having a hard time, you know, with my order making it to the kitchen. You know, most people think about that and go, yeah, okay, how big of a deal can that be? You know, but when you're running service and your reputation's on the line and you don't want to have to refire a check, it's huge. It's a huge impact. When you're a cashier standing at front of house, and something's going wrong with the technology and you've got a line of customers standing behind you or in front of you, 
like the pressure's on, you know, when we do our training with, with our, with our, with our reps, I always make them for a minute, shut their eyes, no counting's allowed and see how long a minute really is. Yeah. I said, now imagine, and everyone puts their hands up at about 15, 20 seconds, right? We are a now society, but then you think about it and you go, now imagine you've got 20 people in front of you. And what the pressure feels like. I was like, that's why we have to be spot on every time, 100% of the time. Yeah, I mean, we do the same thing, right? So for me, it's not so much about the time, although I guess it is. But, you know, it's a it's a life and death thing, food allergies, right? So I, I totally understand that kind of pressure piece, right? You can't, you can't ever be wrong. You can't ever be, right. uh, you know, not working or, or down, right? You don't want down detector coming after you. <laughs> no, you, you can't. You have no idea, you know, the impact. One of the things that's great, and we were the first to do it, but now everyone does it in this space, is an offline mode, right? Because you, because credit card processing goes down, it happens. Yeah. Technology goes down, and you have to still have a way to be able to service your customers, especially now post, you know, still COVID, soon to be post COVID. We have to be a contactless society now. Yeah. So that that means everything, you know, real time, you know, spot on. And so you got to make sure that that technology is moving ahead of what the industry needs. How often do you think offline mode really gets used? Um, or is it mostly just kind of a backup insurance piece of it's, mind? Yeah, it's mostly a backup insurance policy. I mean, credit, you know, we look at it during during holiday season, you know, processors go down. Um, you know, we're very fortunate, you know, we've got a, a, a very stable environment. So it's not typically, it's not typically our point of sale that's going down, but there's a lot of variable, right? You've got processing that's a variable, you have ISPs that are a var- variable. So, oh, you know, if you're someone that's in a mall, that's got pretty pretty hard internet service, that uh, that always ready mode probably gets used 20, 30% of the time. For most businesses, you know, maybe once a month. But yeah. the good news is it's there, you know, it's that security blanket. Yeah, no doubt. There's, um, you know, there's something super interesting in, in looking through your information that's out there online, you know, and preparing for this. You have a ton of people who talk about what a great leader and what a great manager you are which is amazing, right? Like that's A, that's got to feel really, really good. But B, it's also pretty unusual to have such a consistent um, and and what's the word I'm looking for? Like a ton of people saying kind of similar things. And I think that's so amazing. So, you know, as you're going through such a difficult piece of technology, meaning the customer service area, what's your management style like, right? You're, you've got a team of people at some point underneath you who really kind of get yelled at all the time because nobody calls tech support when they're happy, <laughs> right? I mean, nobody calls. Oh, I say it all the time. Such amazing like, technology. You know, you I just wanted to chat, right? You know, exactly. I say it all the time to my guys. Like, you don't have someone that calls and like, hey, I just want to tell you you're doing a really great job today. Keep it up. Never happens. <laughs> Very so, rarely. <laughs> how do you how do you kind of manage that, right? How, what's your management style? How do you keep the the motivation up on your team such that they're so happy with you and not so unhappy with everyone who's calling them. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I'm very humbled by it, to, to be very honest. Um, compliments make me extremely uncomfortable. Uh, I, I'm one of those people that you need to be genuine, right? Like you, you really need to care about the people that you work with every day. You spend more time with the people you work with than the people you do at home. Um, and I genuinely care about my team. You know, I mean, I, I, I've got part of my team overseas you know, Europe's been in a very different situation than we, we've been here in the U.S. 
you know, and I was really hoping that, that, that my teams were going to be able to see their families for the first time at Easter this year. Uh, and I just found out that's not happening. And, and that just breaks my heart. Right. And, you know, it's really about assembling people that are different than yourself, that you know, that you're going to work well with. Um, I was talking to one of my guys the other day. He was the first person I hired at Revel. Um, and He's been here with me the whole time. My whole leadership team, except for a couple new people that I've hired within the last couple of years, we've been together for five plus years. And I think it's a testament of who we are as a company. You know, our company culture is really, really important to us. We have four pillars that are part of our value structure. Um, and, and I think it's, it's really just knowing that we have each other's backs. Um, and, and when, you know, and that comes down all levels, right? And, you know, I make myself available to, to the entire org whether it's sales, you know, I think that's the other thing too, is you got to realize that support, we're the entry point, you know? And so we need to be prepared. So my guys have to know the whole business inside and out. And that's a lot of information to digest. And just knowing that, that we're here and that we care, you know, is, is something that's, that's really important to, important to all of us. You know, it's, it's also about having common goals, and knowing what they are and, and open communication. And I will tell you, you know, shifting an entire support organization 24 by seven to remote um, <laughs> in less than 48 hours was a tremendous feat. It just tells you, you know, how passionate our people are about being here, you know, and, and just really great stuff. Really, really fortunate. I've, I've been very fortunate my whole career to be surrounded by, by great team members. There's no offline mode for tech support, right? There sure, there sure is not. And when our, you know, once in a blue moon, your phone system goes down, right? And, and immediately we are, we're out on social media, we're out on our website, you know, we, we increase people into the chat channel. Um, but yeah, it's, there's definitely no, no offline for support. How's it been? So, you know, I'm a woman in technology. I've been in technology since I graduated, not really before that, I guess, but so a long, long time. It's a super male dominated industry. I think as everybody knows, I'm not saying anything groundbreaking there. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, a bit good old boys club at times. How have you been able to so successfully navigate that and, and really kind of climb the ranks, you know, in a, in a short amount of time? It's, it's really impressive. Yeah, thank you. It, you know, I was very fortunate with my upbringing, you know, my mom being a single mom, um, in a very male dominated world. She was a financial planner back then. They oh, yeah. stock, stock brokers, right? Um, very male dominated industry. And I watched her navigate the gray area along with her best friend who also, you know, was, was a broker, female broker in the eighties. Um, and I was very fortunate. I also, you know, had some opportunity to work with some, with some strong women in tech along the way, predominantly at PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, you know, but, but really, you know, I, we talked about this the other night on a, on, a, on a show that I did, and it is really about knowing your shit, right? And coming to the table prepared because no one can argue what you bring if you know what you're doing. And, and I think that that's really what's important. And the other thing that I would say is don't make excuses. You know, women often get put into categories and we know what they are. Um, and so it's don't allow that to happen. And the best way I can say don't allow that to happen is being overprepared, right? Is you want to be that best athlete in the room and, and let that speak, speak for itself. 
Um, and, and don't apologize. I, I think that that's the other thing that women have a tendency to do is apologize for being good. You know, we're kind of taught that, you know, from, from being kids, I was very fortunate because I played collegiate sports and, you know, you, you learn very quickly that you want to be the best of the best and you have a team around you that surrounds you to help you be the best of the best. Um, and I think that's the mindset that I, that I came in and I did have some run-ins and some conflict, you know, through, throughout my, my career. Um, you know, but I've also been very fortunate that, you know, in my current role, our CEO is spectacular. He's just genuinely just a great, great guy. Greg allows our whole executive team to be who we are. Um, and I think that's really what has separated us over the last, over the last three years. Um, it's just been, it's just been extremely refreshing. That's amazing. Yeah. I love to hear that. Do you have a, like a women's group at Revel or a kind of a mentorship program? We actually don't. Um, we're a fairly small company or we're about 400 employees. Um, we haven't seen, I don't think, I don't want to minimize it because I don't, you know, we've got on our executive team, there's three, there's three females. And I think we all, you know, participate. And I think we've all picked up some, some mentorees along, <laughs> mentees along the way. Um, and that's been my style my whole career is, you know, you just work with, you, you find that, that shining star that you think is going to be out there, you know, and you work with them. And I think the other part is don't ever let go of who you've been mentoring at other companies. You know, oh, yeah. I still have people from two, three companies ago that, you know, once a quarter, once every six months, we still get together and, you know, work on some things that, that we worked on when we worked together. That's um, but I think that's everyone's role. And I, I think one of the things, and again, I may be speaking a little out of turn. I don't know if we always need like groups. You know, I think what we need is like sponsorship, um, you know, and being like-minded. Uh, and I think that that helps, you know, a ton. I, I joined a social club when I was living in San Francisco and I was like, well, what's your guy's mantra? Right. Cause I wanted to meet some people. San Francisco is not, you know, everyone's hustling and bustling and it's not always the easiest place to meet someone when you move there, you know, new. What's and they said, our mantra is don't be an asshole. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I can totally get behind that. Like be a good person. And I think that that's what we all need to focus on. I think we all need that as a bumper sticker. Don't be an <laughs> asshole. I agree. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> What's a social club and how does one join one? So yeah, it's, it's a, it's basically a place that has good food and good drink that, you know, you can go to, um, kind of like a country club without the golf country club with it's that's exactly right. And the one that I, that I belong to still, cause I kept, you know, during COVID tough times for these types of places, right. They still have, especially in a city like San Francisco, high rent. Um, you know, so when we moved to, back to Colorado, um, my club is called Wingtip. They're amazing. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to keep my membership um, because those dues go to help supporting their staff, you know, and I'll still go, you know, once things open back up a little bit more, I'll be in San Francisco quite a bit. And I really like the place, great food. And I like bourbon. They have a lot of great bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So you'll be able to continue working from Colorado, even once everything's all open again. Yeah, the reality is, I mean, most of us in this space, we do a lot of traveling, right? Going out and seeing clients and mm -hmm. which I can't wait to go back and, and do. Um, and so, you know, I travel about two weeks a month anyway. So no, it makes no sense that you gotta be tied to, tied to an office. Yeah, no doubt. So lessons learned along the way, as you've gone up the ranks, you know, as you've moved companies, 
what mistakes have you made that if you could go back and fix it or go back and do it over, you'd do differently? Um, I think one mistake, you know, that, that I constantly train myself on is ask, a, it's not a mistake, more of a style, is ask a lot of questions. Don't assume, right? I think a lot of times when we're fast paced, you know, we've seen scenarios before and we think we know the answer. And I think it's, you know, always taking the time to digest. Um, I think one is continuing always to trust the good intentions of others. I don't think people genuinely are trying to, to have mistakes or screw up. Um, and, and I think it's about, you know, how you support and, and how you come out of it. Um, and my style, you know, is really trust the good intentions of others until they give you a reason not to. And I think a lot of times people come in, you know, kind of positioned to have different thoughts and, and you know, judgments around people. And, and I try, you know, not to do that at all. And again, learn that at a very, very early age through a story my mom told. And so, you know, I've always, I've always kind of leaned in on that. What's the story? So the story is there were these three older gentlemen that used to sit in the lobby of her brokerage house. And everyone thought they were just coming in there to watch the ticker tape and to drink coffee. And my mom had not been there very long. It had been a couple months. And she saw these gentlemen sitting there. And, you know, these were men in their 70s in Florida. And she stopped by one day and was like, gentlemen, is there anything I can help you with? And I think one of the men said something like, and this is very cliche, but yes, dearie, there, no one has ever stopped by to see what we need. And it turned out the guy had like $20 million but no one that he wasn't really doing anything with. But everyone just thought that they were sitting in there drinking coffee and kind of having their social club. And the reality was they had a lot of money. Um, and this, the moral that I took away, is kind of that Julia Roberts moment, right? And the, big mistake. Big Huge. mistake. <laughs> so I've always taken that my, my whole life is don't judge a book you know, by its cover. You never know someone's story and you never know what there is inside until you ask. Did those guys become clients of your mother's? They did, yes. Right. My mom had the one gentleman for, for quite a handful of years and he had a lot of friends. <laughs> I love that, right? And I mean, all it does, it's true. All, all it, it takes is for someone to ask or, or to not assume that you're not a potential customer or a potential piece of worth. Everyone is a potential customer. And I yeah. think when we look at the space, right? That's how we have to look at it. You know, that's from a product standpoint, that's how we look at it. We look at how to enable, how to make things better and more efficient. The restaurant industry is the hardest working industry out there. These guys, 12, 14 hour days minimum, seven days a week, right? And so when we're looking at how to build product, we want to make that easier. We want yes. them to be able to focus on their customer and their craft, not on technology. I could not agree with you more. And we literally say the same thing, except we replace technology with food allergies. Right. right? Focus on your craft. Don't worry about what it is. We got That's you. It. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We we can fill this blank in for you. I love that so much. All right. So back to tech support. Yeah. There must be some stories about like your favoriteest ever call that you've gotten and <laughs> the worst. Don't um, name names. Yeah, they, they may be similar. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was in, you know, I was, I was over in Lithuania. We have uh, our, our, our support, all direct employees in Vilnius, um, you know, very, very great place. Um, just a huge family environment. I can't, I can't say enough about the, those guys. And um, 
I was sitting, it, this was like a couple years in, and I was sitting in this conference room, but I could hear one of my guys on the phone with the customer. And he was trying, they were, they were troubleshooting, but I'm not going to say what it is yet. And he's like, you need to hold it. Like, are you holding it? Kind of like a gun. You want to put your finger on the trigger and, you know, you should at the, put your hand at the other end. You should see a light coming through. And, and Shandy, do you know what he's troubleshooting at this point? No. Okay. The, well, maybe the, um, the little scanning thing. Scanner. That's that's right. So this poor kid is trying to explain to this person on the phone. I can obviously only hear one side of the conversation, and he's trying to troubleshoot this scanner. And this this person is not getting any idea of how to hold it, how to engage <laughs> it, and and all of a sudden, because I'm like, why is he describing a gun? Like, are there things that I should be worried about right now? And um, once the light was coming through the other end. Yeah. Okay. I think the light came on in many fashions during <laughs> during that during that call. So that's probably my 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 funniest call, um, you know, in a while. Prior to prior to this company, um, I was at another company with one of our products that had you know a lower it was a, a lower technology curve, and this customer. So our hold times for that particular product would be a little bit high, you know, because the calls took longer because the not as tech savvy. And this, this client wrote, cause our hold music was terrible, you know, cause most people don't realize that you have to pay. If you want really good hold music, you have to pay the music rights. And that's a lot of money. And we'd rather spend that money on, you know, supporting you. And this person wrote a poem about our hold music <laughs> and it was hilarious. And I was like, you know, I should get that recorded and make that my new hold music. <laughs> There's a hold music song. I've only heard it from it, a, a woman that I used to work with her, um, you know, call in number or whatever, had this hold music. And it's a guy singing a song about being on hold. Yes. And it's hilarious. And you think you're just listening to elevator music, but then when you really kind of start paying attention, which who does that? Right. You hone in. <laughs> yeah. It's great. So funny. So did yeah. you ever get the poem? Did you get a copy? A copy of the poem. Oh yeah, yeah, he emailed it to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we talked we talked we talked about that poem for a very 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 long time. Start every meeting with it. Yeah, we shall have the invocation of the hold music now. We should. We should. <laughs> I love it. All right, so you have been a good mentor to a ton of people. You've brought along a lot of people on your team, and you know everyone talks about what a great leader you are. Who's been that person for you? Who's impacted your career? Yeah, I've probably, I've probably had three, um, a gentleman by the name of Bill Alville, um, who just genuinely a good human, you know, and really taught me what it meant to really care about your people and to put your people first. Um, I, you know, I was kind of already, that was already kind of my mantra, but he really just ingrained it and, and, and really, really proud of that. Um, a gentleman by the name of Keith Barr, Keith Barr was, he's actually getting ready to retire. Um, this month. So I'm, I'm pretty happy for him and his family. Uh, he was the first person that I worked with that understood people, but also was a great technologist because they're often quite rare, um, you know, where you still know how to drive, you know, your product without losing sight of, of having a great company culture. Uh, and he was, he was a pretty spectacular guy to work with. And then Greg Ducott currently here at Revel, you know, just 
and you'll hear a constant theme for me, it's people, because I love people and people are what motivate me. Um, and Greg is just a great businessman um, and really has a, comes from a sales background. So I've learned a lot from a sales technique. You know, I try not to get involved too much on the sales side, but we do because, because I have to talk to customers about the experience and what I'm passionate about and what their experience is going to be like with our professional services and, you know, our support and our account management and people like that. And um, Greg has really taught me the art of how to, how to negotiate with people and, and when, when to walk away as well, because I'm super competitive. So sometimes, you know, I, I want it to happen more than it needs to happen. And that's been a good, good eye-opening experience. And then, you know, he's also done a great job of assembling an amazing cast um, and people that have worked with him at numerous other companies. And that just speaks volumes, right? Um, and, and I'm hoping that, you know, I'll, uh, we'll continue to work together for a long time. That's amazing. Any other words on Revel? I have a couple questions on other stuff outside of work. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, one of the things that, that, I, that I'd want to say about Revel is one, I'm so proud of the company. You know, I've been with the company a little over five years. So I was still there when it was founder led to now. And I'm just so proud of our growth and our maturity. I'm proud of our people and just our product and what it does. And, and I think the thing that, I, that I'm most proud of is how we were there to support during the pandemic. You know, during a during a crisis, there's the three C's, right? There's cash, costs, and customers. And you have to you have to have, make some very difficult decisions, but you're making those decisions to ensure your customers are still there at the end. Right. Um, you know, and again, we're not a huge company, but we put together a ton of programs to help to help our customers. Our product team pivoted on our roadmap that we were planning to a whole different suite of technology that we were able to implement in a short period of time. We're never going to implement it all for everyone. I mean, that's that that that's a hard thing to do. Um, but I'm really proud of what we were able to do uh, and continue to do. Perfect, I love it. And your puppy came in and and segued for me. So. When we research people, you know, for, for in preparation for these podcasts, always prepared, as you uh, mentioned earlier, I noticed that there's a theme. You're a big animal person. Love animals. I yeah, know. and I see a black lab that keeps kind of coming <laughs> in and out of that door, right? I've got two dogs here, and you you raise a lot of money for different charities. Um, not as much on some on the animal side. Uh, my, more on More on the people side. I have two that I'm that I'm pretty pretty staying involved in trying to stay more. One is a new charity that I'm really working with, which is called City of Refuge. They're a, they're a charity out of Atlanta, Georgia, that I cannot say enough about. Um, you know, it's really about that end to end, um, you know, rehabilitation, uh, and just can't say enough. And we're so fortunate they uh, just got a, a very nice grant from the Department of Labor um, that's going to now the program has been predominantly focused on women. And now with this grant, they're going to be able to now have a section, you know, for underserved males as well. Uh, and I can't, I just can't say enough. They placed over 400, you know, people into jobs last year, um, in, both in technology and into the food service. So you can see why it mm -hmm. would be such a large passion for myself. I was introduced to them by, by Greg. Um, the, the second big brothers, big sisters, uh, in San Francisco, I had a boss that um, was involved and, and passionate there. 
Uh, and then spending time, you know, doing some advisory stuff um, for Cal State. Uh, they have a customer, they have a customer experience program that I'm, oh, I'm cool. yeah, it's really neat. It's a certificate in customer experience. Uh, and they're doing some, some really, really good stuff. So, and then, yeah, I mean, I grew up with Black Labs my whole life, you know, he's now going to talk. Um, right on cue. Right on cue. That I couldn't have, yeah, I mean, he's so well-trained, this dog. He'll be 11 in May and he's my second Black Lab as an adult. What's his um, name? He's pretty spectacular. What's his name? His name is Whistler. So my first dog was Aspen. My second dog is Whistler. There's clearly right, we like the ski. in here. Yeah, I had a dog named Aspen also. Really? What kind? Have... Hmm? What kind? Uh, he was a Maltese. Nice. He was white. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, um, now I've got a German Shepherd and a Shih Tzu, Shih Tzu Poodle mix. Nice. German Shepherds are such cool dogs. Yeah, she's amazing. Her name is Liberty, and she is now let's think almost fourteen months old. So we're in the we're in the oh, cool so stage. In the cool stage. Yeah, Getting there. German yeah. Shepherds are high energy, right? Like. That's why I have Labradors. You know, they can be, they, they can be high energy when they want to be, um, but it's only for about 15 ball tosses or Frisbee tosses. And then they like the couch and I can totally, totally relate. Plus they're pleasers, which I love too. Her trainer says, uh, she's shaking her collar out there. Uh, her trainer says that you can't physically tire them out. So you don't even. Don't try. Don't try. <laughs> right. Like take them for a walk and, you know, do the ball tosses and such, but you got to tire out their brains. What I love about German Shepherds is they slink. Yes, they do. Like they slink into places and they slink out of places. And you're like, when she catches you. a scent in the grass. I'm like, let's yeah. film this dog for a canine movie, right? Because that's exactly like, what it looks like. like. I see you. I see you. She's on the scent. <laughs> so funny. So tell everybody where they can connect with you and with Rebel Online. Yeah, so with Rebel, it's rebelsystems.com. Uh, and for me on LinkedIn, um, also on Instagram, um, Leafster13. It's all food all the time. I'm very passionate about about cooking and fine dining. So um, those are those are the two two places to reach me. Perfect. And then, as you know, I like to wrap all these episodes up with two truths and a lie. So Leslie, you're going to give us three things about yourself. One of them not so true, and don't tell us which one. Listeners, yeah, if you want to know. You're going to have to come at us in the comments on your favorite social media or podcast platform, and we will tell you if you're right. All right. So two truths and a lie. Mm -hmm. All right. One, a culinary degree. Two, a sommelier. Three, a tennis player. Oh, those are tricky. Short, sweet. Yeah. To the point. I like it. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for being here. This has been an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Listeners, thanks for sticking around. As always, you've been listening to the Shandyland podcast, and we'll talk to you soon.